special uh, orphan care Sunday where we remember those words of James 1.27 where he says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let's pray as we begin this morning. God, we're grateful that you have given us a place and a space to gather. We are grateful that you are, have given us a community of faith where we can support and encourage each other as we seek to be faithful to you. And this morning, as we consider your heart for orphans and for the least of these, for children in need and in vulnerable situations, I pray that you would give me the gift of preaching and teaching and that you would give us all the gift of open and soft hearts, that we would be open and soft towards you, but also towards those who find themselves in situations where they are the least of these. I bless these words that I speak, and may they be faithful to who you are and to who you're calling us to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Two years ago, a couple approached me and asked me to be praying for them about a change that was happening in their life. That couple was Brian and Amy Robertson, and they wanted me to be praying about the change of adoption that they were beginning to pursue. And so we began to talk about why they wanted to pursue this course in their life, and they gave a lot of reasons for why they wanted to do this, but one of the key reasons was the story of Moses. They heard a sermon about the mother of Moses, and as they talked about and reflected on that sermon, they began to see how God had used adoption to protect and keep Moses safe so that he could later fulfill the plans God had for him. And they said they wanted to provide that for a child as well. And so they began this journey of adoption. And so we began to pray with them, along with a leadership team of Johnny Markham and Jessica Robinson, Jessica McCoy, Elizabeth Dial, and Emily Gannon. And we began to, to pray and talk and dream about what it would look like to support Brian and Amy. And in the midst of those conversations, we were not only compelled by their hearts, but we felt convicted that we wanted to do something for them and for other men and women who felt called to similar efforts. And so our leadership team decided to do two things. First, we decided to host a 5K and fund run to try to raise financial support, building on the legacy of Maddie's Dash as a way to help provide resources to Brian and Amy because adoption is expensive. And the second thing that our leadership team decided to do was to start a ministry and a fund that would be specifically designated to support men and women who felt called to orphan care efforts, ranging from adoption to fostering to CASA, that we would have resources available for them, that there would be a community and a ministry that would draw attention to them and provide them essential support. And the name that we gave to that ministry is the 127 Ministry, and it's taken from that passage in James that I read just a second ago, where James, in James 127, tells us about a certain kind of life that is pleasing to God our Father, this kind of life where we take care of orphans and widows in distress, and we push against the corruption that we find in our world. And what's really important to note about this verse is that James isn't just creating a definition of religion on the whim. 
But James here is drawing upon deep wisdom and knowledge of Scripture as he articulates this way of life for Christians to live to whom he's writing. He knows those words of Deuteronomy 10 where God is described as a God of the fatherless. He knows those words of Psalm 68 that I read this morning where God is described as this God who gives a home to those who find themselves in bleak situations. He, He knows those words of Isaiah 1 where Isaiah 1 calls for the people of God to seek justice and Isaiah begins to describe what that justice looks like and one of the things that he includes is to defend the cause of the orphan and the widow. And James knows those words and example of his brother Jesus, who in one of the most well-known passages and teaching in Matthew 25, says that whatever you do for the least of these, you do it unto me. And so when James gives this call to Christians then and now about the kinds of people we're supposed to be, he's drawing on this deep well of wisdom and knowledge of Scripture because he knows one of the big threads and the big themes moving throughout Scripture is this God who is a God of justice, a God who cares about the least of these and the orphan and the widow and the vulnerable in our midst. James is reminding us not just of the kinds of people we're called to be, but but also the kinds of people we're called to help. Uh, That we're called to be men and women who help the least of these, who help those in vulnerable positions, who help those who find themselves in a place of need. And so often that is the orphan in our midst. All of us are called to some kind of orphan care. And that's a phrase that we use a lot in this ministry, and I think it's important to to understand what we have in mind when we use those two words, orphan and care. That first word orphan is a word that has a lot of connotations to it, and we do as a ministry have in mind that traditional definition that you probably think of, a child who no longer has parents in their life. But we also have this broader understanding of what James is describing here based upon these other writings of Scripture. That it's about any child who finds themselves lacking support or resources or an environment where they can thrive to all God has created them to be. And sometimes they end up in that position because of parents passing. Sometimes they end up in that position because parents are functionally unable to provide in that role. And and sometimes they end up in that position because of voluntary or involuntary revoking of parental rights. But regardless of, of why a child ends up in a place of need or a place of vulnerability, the call for us is still the same. To be men and women who have hearts of care for the least of these children in our midst. And so while we use this very limited term, we have a much larger demographic in mind when we think about this phrase, orphan care. And that second word, care, is also a word that's important for us to define and and put some parameters around. Because The word care can often become a a very generic phrase. And so when we think about care, specifically care for orphans, we think about it through three main avenues. 
permanent care, preventative care, and provisional care. Permanent care would be trying to find permanent places for children to experience safety and support. And you probably think of what I think of when I hear permanent care, and you traditionally think of adoption, which is often true. That is a form of permanent care, but it can also take the form of family reunification, bringing families back together to provide a support system to a child. Um, It can look like kinship care, where, where a relative is put in a place where they can take care of a child to help them thrive, to become all that God wants them to be. Another kind of care is what we call preventative care, and that is taking measures on the front end before a child ends up in extreme places of vulnerability. And College Hills has a long history of preventative care ministries. Great Young Moms, Pregnancy Help, our Monday Morning Compassion Center are just a few examples here in the life of our church where we are trying to provide preventative care, care before a child ends up in an extremely vulnerable place. You may also think of things like CASA or fostering as other examples of preventative care. And then finally is what we call provisional care. This is about providing care to those who are providing care. This is about providing care to those men and women who are on the front lines of orphan care efforts. So this looks like babysitting for someone who is a foster parent. This looks like respite care or relief care for the weekend of a family who is going through the fostering experience. This looks like a note of encouragement to someone that you know who's going through the process of adoption. Uh, This looks like financial generosity to help raise funds for men and women who are trying to, to raise children and pursue adoption and be foster parents. Provisional care can look like a lot of different things. And this church has been amazing providing care over the last couple of years and much, much before that to those men and women who are on the front lines of orphan care ministry. It's amazing to see how this church has been doing orphan care for a lot longer than this ministry has been in existence. That deep in the DNA of this church is a church who is passionate about orphan care, about children in vulnerable and in needy situations. And this church has been amazing at providing preventative care, permanent care, and provisional care decade after decade. This church knows that that deep in our call as the people of God are to be a people of justice, a people of care, people who care about the least of these. And so two years ago when we launched this ministry, it, it was amazing to see as we began to articulate what it would look like for College Hills to be a place where we supported men and women who were pursuing orphan care efforts, the overwhelming support from this congregation. It looked like raising all of the funds that Brian and Amy needed to complete their adoption and then some. It looked like other forms of ministry starting, encouragement and prayer. It was a beautiful thing to see how this church rallied around this ministry, and all of a sudden, people began telling their stories about adopting decades ago, or their own personal experience of being adopted, of 
going through the foster care system, of having relatives who were involved in orphan care efforts, story after story after story from this congregation that helped me begin to see in a new way that the seeds of this ministry, the soil of that ministry had been cultivated years and years and decades before we ever officially launched this ministry. That the work of this ministry continues to build upon the work of generations before us who have had hearts for orphan care. Just to give you a glimpse this morning of something I've experienced personally, I want a, a quick show of hands. If you personally have been impacted in any way by any orphan care efforts, you've adopted, you know someone who's adopting, maybe someone in your family, you're aware of foster parents. If you have in any way a, a personal connection to someone involved in orphan care efforts, would you just show your hand real quickly, please? It's amazing to see how this church continues to create ripple effects of care for the least of these, for these children who find themselves in need. And what's been amazing for me personally over the last two years is to watch these new ripple effects begin to form and develop. It began with Brian and Amy, as I mentioned earlier, and their call to pursue adoption. And we continue to pray for them as they wait to be placed with a child. It was amazing to see Chris and Julie, Chris, who you heard from earlier, decide that even in their crazy life, they're still going to have a heart like God and pursue foster care. It's been amazing to see people like Jennifer Katzenmiller and Carol Locke and Johnny and Vicki Markham get involved with CASA. It's awesome to see how Scott and Emily Walters last year decided that they wanted to adopt a child with Down syndrome, and so we as a church rallied around them. And then over the last several months, you, you've definitely heard about Richard and Tara Beard per, pursuing adoption of three Ukrainian orphans, and they are very close to completing that process. Ripple effect after ripple effect after ripple effect. People volunteering for the 5K. People giving generous checks to help these families who are pursuing Adoption. It's been amazing to see how God has been at work in the life of this community to not just build upon the ripple effects of previous generations, but also to see these new ripple effects of orphan care move and impact our community here, our community in Wilson County, and our community around the world. It's such a gift to be a part of a church who has a heart for the least of these. And it's those last two families in particular that, that I wanted us to hear from personally this morning. Richard and Tara Beard and Scott and Emily Walter. So I'm going to invite those families up to the front now. And I want to give a brief update uh, from each of them about what's been developing in their stories uh, since they made this commitment and felt this call to orphan care efforts. So if those families would come to the front, I wanted to give them a brief update. Richard and Tara, I'm going to ask you to come up first, and Scott and Emily will call you up here uh, in just a second. But uh, Oh, no, please come to the... I love when people come to the front row. It makes me feel like my preaching is being more effective right during the middle of the sermon. <laughs> so, Richard and Tara, uh, if you would uh, give us a brief uh, snapshot of the nature of the adoption that you're pursuing. I just alluded to it, but you say a little bit more about it. 
been a long process. We started back around September, and um, we'll be making three trips to Ukraine. We've made one trip already. We've got two more. So we're just waiting now to hear when the second trip is going to be, and looking forward to that. And could you give us a, a brief glimpse, uh, maybe one of the key reasons why you all decided to follow this call? Well, part of the, um, the process for just being a host family last summer with New Horizons for Children, we went through a, some training. And in that training, we learned that um, kind of what the lives of these kids has been like, um, what it's like now, and then what it might be like in the future. And um, there's, not a, there's uh, not a lot of hope for someone coming out of it orphanage at 16 years old, and uh, so um, that, that kind of uh, was one reason that we uh, thought we might want to adopt, and I think what Chris said earlier about um, if we don't take these children in, then Satan will And And since you have followed this call, how has God been at work in your life since you said, yes, we're going to do this? I know you have a lot of examples. Uh, but, but give us a snapshot into one thing you've seen. Well, it has been amazing. Um, we've had three major fundraisers, and so many of you have been involved in those, and we're thankful for that. So many of you have given um, of your time and, and money to, to help us. Uh, we're so thankful for that. Um, and I, I think that, uh, in a nutshell, um, I can just say Ephesians 3.20 now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, is at work within us. That kind of sums it up for me. It's funny, that's the scripture I wrote down to answer your question. <laughs> Same scripture. Um, just add to it that um, really neat to see how God brought neighbors together on our street that we didn't even know well that wanted to get involved in supporting this cause. Um, it brought together two homeschool groups in Wilson County, Davidson County to raise funds. It brought together our church. People we don't know, we can't track down have donated money <laughs> that we can't thank, you know. So from the bottom of our hearts, we are filled with um, gratitude and joy and as much support as we've had, please keep in mind when they get here, that's when we're really going to need <laughs> We're really going to need prayers for three because I want to be like Mary, mother of Jesus, who said, you know, here I am. I'm your servant. But I think really at our age, we just want to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> that's that provisional care we talked about. Um, and one of the coolest things was, was last week, uh, the three of us were standing in the lobby uh, crunching numbers and looking at a spreadsheet uh, and it was cool to be on the spot when you all realized last week that you had exceeded your financial goal that you had set many many months ago um, and I wanted to announce that to the church this morning to say thank you uh, that is an amazing gift that you've provided uh, that these three Ukrainian orphans will now have a home and, and the financial burden on the front end is taken care of because of your generosity. And I want us to celebrate and applaud that this morning because that's a big deal.
Thank you all. Yes, ma'am. The goal was $45,000, and last week in the lobby, Richard, I'll let you tell them the number that was on your spreadsheet. Thanks, Jeannie. Thank you all. Scott and Emily, thank you all so much. Scott and Emily, as you make your way up with baby Lewis, who's a bit shy, he'll warm up. Uh, tell us a bit about the uh, nature of your adoption, and you brought your update with us. So go ahead and fill us in on the last on the last year. Uh, Lewis's adoption was a domestic adoption, which means it happened here in the United States. Uh, we brought him home as a newborn at the beginning of the new year, and he is now eight months old. We celebrate him as part of our family every day. He's a cutie. Uh, and real quickly, tell us a bit about either the why behind your call to adoption or maybe some of the ways you've seen God at work in the last year. We, we wanted to be able to, uh, <laughs> to show hope and support a birth family that was choosing life mm. uh, and wanted to be able to present ourselves as an option for them they pursued an adoption plan, mm -hmm. and, um, and and we saw God work through that in lots of ways, mm -hmm. and uh, we've seen uh, adoption's very difficult, mm -hmm. um, there's lots of uncertainties, and so we are constantly reminded to rely on Him, and uh, we, are, we are thankful for this community uh, of people because it has been um, tremendously supportive in, uh, in this in this adventure, in this journey, uh, we've seen miraculous um, improvements in Lewis's health. Mm -hmm. We praise God for that, and um, we just kind of continue to see new things every day. Awesome. Emily, you want to say anything? I mean, we just really can't thank all of you enough. <laughs> um, you made this possible. Thank you. Jay Mack, if you'll go to that last slide with all five points, I want to I leave you all this morning with a few ideas about what you can do next. Uh, and there's five things I want you to consider. One, uh, I want you to have conversations about what orphan care may look like for you, about what's a way that you can provide care. Um, I want to encourage you to visit our partner organizations in the lobby uh, this morning. Uh, we have Agape, Casa, Bethany Christian Services, Youth Villages, uh, and Pregnancy Help Center and Great Young Moms. So go into the foyer and check those out. Uh, encourage those involved in orphan care, cards, meals, prayers are always grateful for those. Uh, pray for future orphan care efforts. And in just a second, I'm going to tell you about one that's going to be starting very, very soon. Uh, and I want to encourage you to participate in our 127 5K on October 26th, uh, just a few months from now. You can register, you can volunteer, you can uh, come the day of just to support any way that you can be involved in that race.